As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Graceful Atheist Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Graceful Atheist Podcast. My name is David, and I am trying to be the Graceful Atheist. I want to start off by thanking my latest raters and reviewers on the Apple Podcast Store. Thank you to Rachel and Alabama's Mommy for reviewing the podcast. It means so much. Please consider reviewing the podcast either in the Apple Podcast Store or on podchaser.com, and please subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. Special thanks to Mike T for editing today's show, and thank you to John Monson and the Galaxy Brothers for the interlude music. If you're in Germany and listening for the first time, I want to hear from you. I'm very excited to have European listeners, and I hope you find the podcast useful. On to today's show. My guest today is Anna. Anna is in Germany, and she grew up in a culturally Christian household where the family didn't take things terribly seriously. In her teen years, she went to a church and found some community, found some love, found wonderful people, and became a Christian, a very dedicated Christian. Things continued to escalate when she eventually went to YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission, and she went to a DTS, which is a Discipleship Training School. This experience was radically different than her home church, and she found some of this challenging. Later, when she was actually in the mission field, she also begins to have some physical and mental health problems that only after coming home did she recognize was due to religious trauma. I want to give my usual request that believers, and particularly apologists, if you're hearing this story, I want you to hear the seeking after truth in Anna, that she really deeply cared that as her Christianity progressed, at each step she was doing the right thing. And it was only with hindsight and getting out of the bubble of YWAM that she discovered that it was actually harming her. So rather than holding Anna's honesty against her, hear her story, listen to what she has to say. And for my secular listeners, I want you to hear her description of the experience of being a part of the DTS and taking on the beliefs of the community that she was a part of. I think it is easy to look at believers, cult members, what have you, and think that they are not strong, that they are weak in some way. Anna is obviously incredibly strong and incredibly bright, and yet she succumbed to that peer pressure as well. And only with hindsight and reflection could she see how she took on beliefs from the community because of peer pressure that she would not have taken on on her own. 
and ultimately the secular grace that Anna describes of having compassion on this side of faith, on this side of recognizing one's own self-deception, to have compassion on those who might still be there. I think Anna's story is amazing and powerful, and I think everyone is going to hear a little bit of their own story in it. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Anna. Anna, welcome to the Graceful Atheist Podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad. You reached out to me with an email. You talked about having gone through YWAM and their DTS. Yeah. And so we'll definitely get to that, but let's start with what was your faith tradition when you grew up? Mm, Okay. So in Germany, we are all pretty culturally Christian-like. I live in Bavaria, where Christianity is just like the go-to, like, you grow up with it, and you know it, and you know that Jesus is amazing, <laughs> like everyone yes. tells you, and he's <laughs> the best guy ever. But, like, my family just did prayers and stuff, because it was kind of like something that fitted well into the picture of a good family you know like it was just to give us good childhood and to pray like before we go to bed and just know that god is good and all of that stuff but they were not really like christians they never read by the bible or they like in germany people are pretty critical of the church like a lot okay we only attempted church for my communion (laughs) and I only did like the communion to get the gifts so that was like (laughs) the truth comes out Anna (laughs) (laughs) yeah but until I was 16 I never was like really into a strong faith but like that was my faith when I grew up my parents were not dead christian at all i that was just me like of the time okay so when you turned 16 what changed what what was it that started to make you more serious about it yeah uh, identity crisis (laughs) at 16 okay (laughs) no like at 16 i was like i was always like a person that was asking deep questions all of the time and like searching for meaning and the purpose of life and at 16 I was just like man like I gotta grow up I gotta know what's going on here in this okay. life <laughs> and I just like checked out some ideas like I informed myself about Buddhism about all of these religions and yeah I just felt like I needed some spirituality and there was like a church in my uh, in my hometown and they were so nice and so right. amazing and so loving. So I started going there, even though yeah, I did not really believe in what they said, but it was right. such a great community and I felt so welcomed and loved there. So I just loved it. So that, yeah, that was when it started, I guess. <laughs> Well, I think you're telling a lot of people's stories there, especially when you're that age, you're a teenager, you're trying to figure things out. And here's a group of people that are very loving, very welcoming, probably have lots of food and <laughs> and games to play and things like that. And, and of course, you, you're looking for community. You're looking for people to be a part of your life. So that, that sounds very normal. Yeah. The community thing that you just mentioned, that's just such a big part because especially when you're this young I think in this age you still try to be super cool and not Mm -hmm. really be very touchable and like be a little distant and like too cool for everyone and then like being thrown into an environment where people just were so open about their feelings and okay so open like about yeah just being okay with loving each other was something really new to me and that mm-hmm. was probably something that like drew me a lot to Christians. Like I thought about it before, but I just think it's the truth. Like I love Christians, most of them, <laughs> because they're <Right>. so hard, <laughs> like they're so nice and so loving. Yeah, but like with their God, I got a problem sometimes. <laughs> I okay. 
Well, before we get to that, I do think you've you've touched on something really important. I think especially in Western culture, so yeah. European, US, UK culture, we are pretty distant from one another. We're, we're, we're not terribly good at showing affection and love and, and caring for our neighbors. And so that really is very attractive. Yeah. Uh, but then you are participating and you find out there are some expectations about what you should believe. What, what were those? Yeah. So actually in that community, I did not feel that expectation at all. Oh, okay. Because it was just like such a family setting that people didn't really care care like what you believed and they didn't ask you they just like all assumed you were on the same right level. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yes like, don't ask don't tell <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, like the expectations and stuff that came when i did my dts okay yeah so before that i did not feel that kind of pressure but when i came back there was like a lot of things changed in that church as well. And people were suddenly expecting stuff as well because they had like some church identity crisis as well. When I was oh, they went through a transformation. Then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What led up to you making the decision to go into YWAM? Yeah. So I thought about it for a while because it actually makes no sense at all because I was not really a very hardcore Christian when I okay, went there. All right. um, I was just like, their marketing is amazing, I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, this is true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have so like they have so many pictures where you just feel like, oh my god, these people they have like the time of their lives. I wanna go there as well. And yeah, it's just like the adventure and all of these, like being in community all of the time, that was just highly attractive to me. And also like people told that they saw miracles and I was like, wow, I want to see that. Like if there is a God, I want to experience that. And yeah, I guess also just like mm, to know which way I want to go, like, I didn't know if I wanted to continue this faith journey or not. And I thought like, yeah, half a year to give God a chance to prove himself. Right, right. Good, yeah. Okay, okay. I expect that almost all of the audience will know about YWAM, but just in case they don't, would you describe what it is? Yeah, sure. So YWAM is like Youth with a Mission, and it's a missionary organization in, I guess it was founded in the U.S. I don't know, really. Um, I, b I believe so. I don't know yeah. off the top of my head, but yeah. But yeah, um, yeah it mm, focuses on doing DTSs and all of that stuff, which is like a discipleship training school where young mm -hmm. people get like education, quote unquote, in okay. spirituality for three months and after those three months they go on like an outreach and share the gospel in foreign countries and yeah it's a pretty intense time and after that they like also give opportunities to do yeah deeper education and like doing a bible study and all of that like they have their own little education system like they are their own world, literally. It's amazing. Right. Like, it's, they, a, it's a bit of a bubble. Yeah, it is so much. They have like um, education for like um, a nurse, like nurses and all of that okay. stuff. It's like their own world. It's so amazing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't yeah. believe it. But yeah, that's why I'm... Okay. And then, so the adventure was calling and I like the way you said it, that you were you know, if God is real, I want to go experience that. So you decide to go to DTS. Where was that for you? And, and let's talk about that experience. Yeah. Um, so I went to Amsterdam, <laughs> which okay. was like a very controversial place to do like a very Christian vacation. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they were really strict about all of these drug things and like no one even thought about that. So, but like, I never expected them to be there, but they took it really seriously and they had like 
a pretty um, yeah, clear view of what Amsterdam was. It was like a city with a lot of evil, with a lot of Satan, mm. um, <laughs> but okay. like really beautiful. And they wanted to bring like God's light in there and all of that. And yeah, so I went to Amsterdam and I did not expect what came then like the advertisement and the marketing did not show what came. <laughs> like the bait bait and switch. <laughs> um I remember just like on the first day I arrived and there was like a prayer house and we went there and all of these people worshiping and I was like in a church where that was not normal and all of these right. people like worshiping like singing their heart out like being in trance and like all of these crazy things like being slain in the spirit like oh wow I saw all of that and I was just <laughs> like on the first day I literally started crying because I was so shocked oh no yeah if that was not your your you know, church's tradition that you came from, that would be quite a shock. Yeah, it really was. And on the first day, I was like, oh, my word, like, where did I end up here? Like, <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I felt so uncomfortable. But I'm such a stubborn person. So I knew I would finish it. Like, no matter okay. what, I would, like, finish it. So that was a big thing, I guess, why I also, like, started to get into the faith so much after a time because okay. I knew that these people around me believe in it and I would be there for some time and even though I don't like to admit it but I like everyone's everyone can be influenced you know oh absolutely yeah. and I realized like I saw that on myself so much in these six months like I was a completely different person after the DGS. It was so interesting. Intense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that people don't appreciate the amount of, you could call it peer pressure, but just the, the influence that particularly a tight community and the DTS is a super, super yeah. small, tight community, how much influence that can have on a person, both negatively and positively, right? You know, you, yeah. you might gain some things that you enjoy out of that process, but at the same time, like you're describing with reflection, you can see how maybe you made decisions you wouldn't make <laughs> had you yeah. not been in that circumstance, right? Yeah, but like, as you mentioned, totally, like I gained so many positives as well. And right. the people that I met, I still love them so much. Like yeah. I will never say anything bad against that base or against that people, like against the people. But um yeah the theology and like the beliefs that they held were just um pretty damaging in my opinion so yeah all right is that something that you're willing to talk about what what were some of the beliefs that you feel were were damaging yeah yeah so um just like the whole wickedness of the humans that was a big thing that right i struggled so much with because i believe when you grow up with it and like hear it all of the time that we as humans are wicked and evil, but God loves us regardless. Maybe you get used. To, I really hope people don't get used to it because <laughs> yes. it's really not very nice to believe. Yes. But like me coming there and seeing all of these people that I thought were such nice persons, like so amazing and so loving and so caring, like talking to a God. And being like, oh, have mercy on me. Like, I'm such a bad person. And I was right. like, wow, if God really wants you to say that, <laughs> I I think we don't agree. <laughs> like, <Yes. laughs> I don't really understand why he would want that. We say that we're so bad all of the time. Like, that sounds really toxic to me. And also just, yeah, the self-worth that people had and like how easily right. they, yeah, they thought so bad about themselves and had such a damaged yeah view of themselves that was a huge mm. thing that I did not support at all and also hate the sin but not the sinner quote-unquote like yeah. that was just for me that was so wrong because you 
when a person, for example, is homosexual and you say like, hate the sin, but not the sinner, it is a part of them and right. like they can't change it. And it was just so wrong for me on so many levels, but also there was the twisted thing about it because it was so sugar-coated yeah. and these people were so nice about it and like such loving people like right and then they said things like that and i was just like what (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can't like understand how these two things can go together (laughs) it was strange well i i do you know i feel for you like i don't want you to beat yourself up about that too Mm -hmm. much right it's that i think that happens to a lot of people where again the the community is something that is just as you've described, so loving and, and kind and giving, and you slowly but surely begin to accept the things that you wouldn't normally, right? You wouldn't outside of that community yeah. context. So can you describe what you did take on? What what beliefs would you say you did hold after that six months? Yeah, totally. So I believe I was pretty extreme after these months. So I would describe myself as an extreme person. (laughs) Okay. I heard like in (laughs) previous podcasts of you that you said like that people were going all in and then they like lost their faith. Totally me, like 100%. Uh I would have like sold everything for God went to wherever he would want me to go but then I had like this awakening moment quote-unquote okay but I was going in so hard like I was like really after these six months all I wanted to do is tell people about Jesus and like spread the gospel and before that I did not even think about that at all I would never would like would have done that but now it felt like that was my life purpose because I took it so so seriously yeah I also had a lot of mental health problems after these six months so at the beginning of my outreach I I started to have so much anxiety I did not know that Mm. it was that but now I know afterwards I was always stressed and always on edge because I was always thinking about hell, like constantly, Mm, like day in, day out, because I saw some things in my DTS, like miracles, you can say. Um, But I'm still a little bit skeptical if that were really miracles. But like being surrounded by these things all of the time, I really started to believe into the message of Christianity. And then Mm. there was that part of me being like, okay, but Anna, then hell is also real. And from that moment on, that was all that I thought about because I do not um, react well to suffering (laughs) in general, to cruelty. And then being exposed to the idea that there's like a place where people are being tortured 24-7, the rest Mm -hmm. of their eternal life, like forever. And I was just like, this is horrible. Like I need to prevent anyone from going there. Right. So I was just like, I need to tell everyone everything. Like I can't have like any fun in my life anymore because I know that some people are suffering right now. Like, yeah. And I was like, how can Christians deal with that? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, I really, I really think that this is, very, very important. I think when Christians hear a show like mine and they think that I'm just being critical and they don't realize what I'm actually saying is that I'm taking this more seriously than than they are, mm. right? If you take this seriously, you're like Anna. <laughs> There's no way you can go from day to day believing that a hell exists uh, without screaming it from the rooftops to every person that you see if it's real and you take it seriously that is the only reasonable response yeah yeah and i like i really hope that no one hears this and thinks they should do that because 
that really screws your life over. Right. Like, I yes. can say from experience because I had so much sleep problems. I woke up mm. twice a night sometimes and prayed to God, like, that was another fear of mine that I'm not saved and that I go to hell. Right. That was like, I was like in Thailand <laughs> waking up in the night going out and lying myself onto the floor and praying like please save me because i don't want to go to hell and cried right. so much my mental mm -hmm. health was like so fragile and i just cried so much because all of these idea like all of the idea of suffering and pain always came up over and over again and yeah. that was really like hard i would say and I listened to a lot of John Piper, <laughs> you know him? Oh, yes. <laughs> and, oh, that was really intense. Like, yes. this guy is one of a kind. <laughs> His teachings yes. were like, he seemed so happy, but then he, like, talked about Calvinism. And when I got, like, what Calvinism is, I was, like, right. completely done. I was no like that can't be true this is yeah. so horrible and the way <laughs> that people were like celebrating it and be like giving glory to a god that chose some people and condemned some to hell i was just like no like you can't be serious about that yeah and some people in my dts like in my school also kind of believed in that and okay i just felt like there's such a gap between us i guess like how can you accept something like that but on the surface be such a nice person like i just don't get it it was so weird to me <laughs> yeah so i th you've you've hinted at it but you know i think most people will know what calvinism is and the dark yeah. side of it but it's it, specifically for you it's the that God chooses some for destruction. That that yeah. was the thing that, that triggered it for you, yeah? Yeah, and just the way that how happy he was about the fact, like how excited, <laughs> like not happy, yeah. but like how excited he was like telling these things. I was just right. like, I don't believe that, like that, that the people that think about like that believe in that are bad people or anything but just like right. the amount of i don't want to say brainwashing but kind of <laughs> it is like okay it is that people are excited about this like yeah when they th think about the fact that some people will be condemned to hell forever how they can say that with like excitement right <laughs> there was just like I felt so out of place and so like my intuition was just like, hey girl, there's something going wrong here. Yes. <laughs> it can be summarized by saying it's bad news. It is yeah. not the good news of the gospel. Yeah, there was like, I think that's the whole like summary of all of this. Um, that on the surface, people were like pretending to that everything was so, like amazing and great but like in my intuition i was always like i don't feel like that's good <laughs> <You know? Yes. laughs> but i never like allowed myself to say that loud because i was like okay yeah good news you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting that you you use the the term intuition so you're kind of having an internal discussion with yourself about you know how could this how could these very kind people believe these things that that feel horrible to me yeah. how did you give yourself permission to explore that further so when i came home from the dts i was still pretty hardcore about things and only had in mind that i wanted to turn all of my friends into christians and my family of course because i love them so yeah. much and like that would have killed me if that was like the truth right like that hell exists but I think my mental health was getting so, so bad. And okay. like, I, I really, really tried to be and like, 
extreme Christian, I guess. I was listening to sermons, like no joke, seven hours a day. Oh, wow. <laughs> when I came okay. home because I was just like, yeah, you got to renew your mind. Like I got to put in godly things. So, and maybe I will get it after that. Like maybe I will be newborn, like really newborn after that. I just got to try more and got to like be more Christian. <laughs> right. After some time, I was just like so exhausted of all of this stuff. And I was just like, hey, they like in my DTS, they always said when I had some hard questions, yeah, Anna, but God is love always. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, God is love, but how could he want that I want to expose myself to such things? because I was just so done. Yeah. And then after some time, I was like, hey, girl, maybe it's not that obvious that God exists as you may have been told. And then I was like questioning it all over again. Okay. okay. And when I did that, I realized that the facts or the evidence I had forgot that I thought like was so, so bulletproof after that mm -hmm. half year was really leaky and not proof <laughs> at all. Yeah. Can, can you think of some specific examples of what you used to think was really bulletproof and then that started to fall apart? Yeah. So um, there were some Holy Spirit nights in our okay. DTS where people prayed for you and you like fell down and had like these spiritual experiences. And I remember that there was one night where one guy like prayed for me and I really started crying and like he said that I should imagine the throne room and all of that. And I saw like a bright light or anything and fell down and cried and cried and cried. And I was just like, yeah, that was me seeing God in the throne room and stuff. Yeah. But afterwards, I just believe I was so, so, so much into the idea that I wanted to have a spiritual experience. <laughs> yeah. So... I really wanted to be part of that because I I was also a bit jealous of the people always having these experiences yeah. because I was like, why is God like giving them something like that and not me? And I just wanted to feel it. So I guess like the mind is amazing, you know, if you want it something, <laughs> it can like give you a lot. So I yeah. guess in the end, it was just me desperately wanting something like that mm. and just like giving up the control that we as humans always have like yeah the surrender thing of christianity i believe that's a big thing because yeah. i believe we as humans could have so many different experiences but are always so controlled uh -huh. so i believe when you have an environment where you can like let go of that without being judged it can be like a pretty quote-unquote spiritual experience and yeah. i definitely had that there because like people around me were like crying laughing all of that yeah. stuff and you can just like do whatever you want and no one will judge you because it's not you then it is the holy right. spirit <laughs> yeah yeah, so, yeah. I, I think the thing i have tried or struggled to explain on this side of deconversion is that the spiritual experiences are real and I'm doing scare quotes, but our attribution of the cause yeah. is what's mistaken. Right. And so uh, we know from psychology and sociology and various other studies that you get a, humans together in a group and set some expectations, do some mood music, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uh, you know, and you're going to get a reaction and, yeah. and that is perfectly human, perfectly normal, perfectly natural. And it is the attribution to a supernatural entity that is mistaken. Yeah. So true. Like when I came back home, I was Googling that stuff so much <laughs> because yeah. I really was so curious and also about all of the neuroscience that plays into it like uh -huh. because one thing that always happened a lot was that people like touched others onto their forehead uh -huh. and 
I researched that and that's such a common thing in so many religions, I think, because in like Hinduism or yeah, Hinduism, like here's the crown chakra, I believe. And like when they touch that, something happens. And there's also like some biology in here that there's some liquid when before you die, like it spills out and you have like something like like being high, like being on drugs. Right. Um, you have some substance in there that gives you that feeling. And I was just so, so suspicious. Like, yeah, maybe that all has something to do with each other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It turns out it's relatively easy to induce a mystical or spiritual experience. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, I think they've even done the neuroscience where, uh, you know, you pass a magnet over a certain spot and people see God, right? Like, so that should tell you something yeah. <laughs> yeah, about true. what's actually happening. Yeah. And also like some healings. I saw also some healings Okay, where we prayed a lot, like in Myanmar, I was in Myanmar and okay. there was like um, a healing conference or something. And we prayed for these people and yeah, a woman that was like blind saw again and okay. like all of these things. But I was so convinced then, but looking back at it, I was just like, okay, I never saw anything. Like a woman that's blind thinks she can see again. There's no evidence for that. Maybe she was just being like nice. Yeah, <laughs> All of yeah. these white people praying for her. <laughs> maybe just yes. like, oh yeah, it's better, you know, because... Yeah. These people are so nice. <laughs> They're so right. friendly and they would never do say anything to like make you feel ashamed. So when you say like, is it better? She probably just said yes. So yeah. we don't feel strange. But some of these things that I thought were so, so profound and solid were just not solid anymore. And that gave me a lot of freedom to think about these things by myself that was really important by myself because in the DTS I guess you underestimate how little time you have because you sleep with others in a room you don't even have your own bathroom like I didn't really understand how damaging that is after like until I came home mm. because you can like not think about the things very objectively because you always have someone by your side that like right. you probably talk about it then <laughs> <laughs> yes did you experience a kind of withdrawal when you come home and all of a sudden all that activity has stopped and it's not constant a reinforcement do you feel like wow something's missing yeah totally so like as i mentioned before as someone who like questions life a lot mm -hmm. like these six months i really felt like i did something that was of meaning somehow yeah and when i came back home i just felt like kind of lost and myself and without any structure because you have like a super solid plan as well like yeah. schedule from the morning to the evening and right that's like gone as well and all of these people around you are gone and it was really hard and I believe like everyone can support that that was like at YOM or at any organization it's really tough to not have someone set your life <laughs> which is really yeah. strange but it's the yeah. um and also just like yeah the whole thing about being surrounded by so many people telling you how amazing like what amazing things god does and yeah. how the story like continues like the saving of the world and all of that and everything yeah. just seems like everything's going into the right direction and everything's like improving and then coming home and you feel like okay I don't really see anything <laughs> like what's right. happening yeah so I think YOM is really good in giving people like a purpose 
yeah i realized that and i believe that's a big thing why they target young people in my mm. opinion yeah yeah i want to expand on the the coming home and feeling a, a bit isolated yeah and, uh, because i think this is significant i i i didn't do i've never done ywam mm. uh, but i went to a bible college and for years after bible college i felt like man something is really missing yeah it was that camaraderie that you know i could be up at three in the morning and there's somebody to chat with and yeah. talk about god with and, <laughs> yeah. and you come home and i imagine this is similar analogous to somebody coming home from the military they you know they've had very regimented lifestyle and and again, that camaraderie, the esprit de corps, and they come home and none of that is there. But to extend that just a little further, for just your regular everyday believer who goes to church, if, say, there's a pandemic and you no longer are able to go to church every day, every Sunday, mm. you experience what it is like to not have that reinforcement constantly. And I imagine that 2020, we're going to have a lot of people that have question things that they would not have otherwise questioned because they haven't been in the context of church. They haven't been inside the worship service with yeah. other people and that kind of thing. Yours is an extreme example, but mm. even something as simple as being forced to stay home on Sunday can do, have the same effect. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. What were then some of the questions that that started to eat at you? What were What were some of the things that so you, you you realized that the things you thought were bulletproof weren't anymore, but but then what was the next steps? What happened next? Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest one was just me reading the Bible more. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, yeah. Sounds familiar. <laughs> and I was just like, after some time, just so frustrated and being like, why does God have to make it so complicated? Like, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, so done with the whole story because all of these yeah explanations that people gave why some things are the way they are i was just like that just sounds so lame like that's just <laughs> yes. not full like that's not profound at all <laughs> yeah like, yeah not original or anyhow explaining the questions that i have just like right. the whole saving story of Jesus, I was just like, okay, why does it have to take so long? Why does God have to be mistaken so often? <laughs> like, yeah. why does like why does He not talk to us more clearly? Mm -hmm. Because if it's about something so important like hell, <laughs> right? Why does He not give more clear instructions? <laughs> you know, yeah. like. He just gives us some hints and like, mm, maybe some will get it. Maybe some won't. We will see. But yes. I was just like, I don't get it. Like, why does it have to be so complicated? Yeah. And I guess also the way people thought they were Christians when it comes to like political views and yeah. all of these things were just really irritating to me because I was like, okay, if God is a God of love and talking to these people, how can they still believe in that? Yeah. It was just not really um, logical to me how people can support like guns and yeah. like racism somehow and all of these things when they talk to a God of love who loves everyone the same and say they have a relationship with him yeah. that just made no sense to me at all but those people were the influential ones you know right who were anointed by the holy spirit and then i was like okay maybe i don't want to be a part of that <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah i think i spent so long thinking the church is just confused they've they don't know, they're unaware of the racism that's inherent, mm. you know, and trying to correct that from my tiny little corner of mm. the church. Again, this process, it starts to dawn on you. No, this isn't, it's not a bug. It's a feature. This is built in to yeah. the, the theology in a way. So. Yeah, I think just the smashing of my idealistic view of religion 
mm-hmm. was the main trigger of me to being able to let it go because okay. it was something very idealistic that I hold very dearly to my heart. All of these like people like Christians try to be the best persons that they can be and trying to make the world a better place. That was like where I started when I went to the DTS. <laughs> yes, DTS, exactly. It was like, <laughs> um, okay, like how did that mess up you so much? Because I had so many mental health issues and uh, I was like, okay, maybe it's not just your fault. Maybe something was going wrong there. And maybe the right. theology is not good for humans as well, you know? Yeah. Like, was this a long process? Was it quick? Did you have a moment where you suddenly knew? Or how, when did you say to yourself, I don't believe anymore? Mm, I think I had, um, I restrained from it so much to tell myself I don't believe anymore because there was so much fear connected to it. Because yeah. as I said, I struggled so much with the fear of hell. Um, right. So I like, I struggled with the faith all of the time, like in my DTS okay. as well. This is why I became so hardcore <laughs> because right. I knew that I had that struggle. So I tried to beat it out of myself so much. Doubling down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, after just being home for a while, and having contact with other people as well. Again, mm. not just Christians is really <laughs> <Right>. important. <laughs> yes. I was just, okay, that was really deep. I saw a picture of myself as a little girl and I was like so emotional and so down and so drained and had so many anxiety attacks the last day. And I was just seeing oh, myself no. as a kid so happy and I was like, what are you doing to yourself? And then I just yeah. cried so much. And I was like, okay, if there is a God that is loving, he will understand. I just can't anymore. And right. from that moment on, I was just like over with, like I was done with it and yeah. let go of all of the toxic parts and just lived my life again and just loved life again. That was yeah. really a big thing. Yeah. Wow. I'm curious after that, if you had friends who were not Christians yeah. and you told them that story, what was their reaction? Um, so, like I said, before I went to the DTS, I wasn't really a hardcore Christian. Right, so, right. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of, like, all of my friends were actually non-Christian, which made yeah. it really hard being in the DTS because my prayer list was, like, so long. <laughs> but, yes. Yeah, they were they knew that something was going on. Like I gave them like updates all of the time. And I, some of them really thought that I was weird, (laughs) which I can understand because when you are in like the DTS, you take on a language, like a lingua that they have there and like just so loaded language. Yeah. They have such a loaded language. It's not even funny, but yeah, you just articulate differently and yeah, just act a little bit weird. So they thought <laughs> that I was a little bit weird and strange. And I like looking back at it, I can understand. But when I told them about the things, it really helped me because yeah. I was able to process it and have another opinion on it, which was really important because some things I didn't even realize how intense they were <laughs> until right. I talked to someone about it. And I really like advise anyone who is like confused about why they feel a certain way to talk about their experience with someone else because yeah. sometimes others see things more clearly than you do. Right. And For me, for example, people were always so shocked when I told them that we were not allowed to listen to secular music out loud. (laughs) And they were always like, what? I would have left right away. (laughs) And I was like, maybe it was a little bit weird. And like now I'm like, yeah, it definitely was a little bit weird (laughs) because you get like totally 
like cut off from the world and they want that somehow yeah and as an innocent person you don't really think about that but right it consumes you after a while and that was really like interesting to see then yeah what i think is interesting is that you can then experience compassion right yeah. like your friends are probably more concerned about you sure mm -hmm. they might tease you about being weird for a few minutes but really you know they can feel the hurt that you experience yeah. and they don't have the baggage that needs to protect that right yeah they can just say to you we love you this isn't good for you yeah <laughs> and you you see that reflected back to you and it's like ah oh, i've been i've been hurting myself yeah definitely like they never thought that i was like weird you know they were just like you said teasing me a bit but sure. they were really like they were also supporting me in my weirdness you know they were like right. hey, if you're happy with it do it like right just go for whatever makes you happy and I have great friends like you know they were always there for me like when I came back home like I said it was an emotional wreck but they were so much there for me and loved me nevertheless like Even when I was that annoying person that tried to make them Christian all of the time, <laughs> right. they still like love me so much. And like, yeah, it's true. They were really the game changer for me because yeah. they helped me see clear again after that, and right. also helped me to doubt and like question the things that I was taught and. Yeah, also the loaded language that like I mentioned before and why one I want to touch up on touch upon of that. I think you said sure. like that. Touch on that. Yeah. I believe it's really, really important to think about how people talk in your surroundings because in YOM people took like such extremes in their language like the enemy was always such a phrase right the enemy like for the devil and the enemy was everywhere <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> that was really new to me and also that lies so mm. they always said the truths and the lies and the lies were the things that the devil puts into your mind Oh, wow. And don't believe the lies of Satan and all of that stuff. And like that included homosexuality and also like yeah. transgender people. Like in, Christ in the Christianity that I experienced there, I believe, like one um, speaker said that transgender people have just like A wrong identity implanted by the devil mm. you know right and like all of these lies that they believe and there was just in the aftermath when i think back on it it's just so wrong because i believe that your brain makes connections to it you know that yeah. you will believe that is a lie and right. when you are told from an early age on in that loaded language and in the extreme language because right. you say lie and stuff in other things and like normal life again like as well and it makes connections to a certain feeling that will be the same for that and then it's really hard you know to make your own opinion about it Yeah, and I think you and I are similar in that we came to Christianity in our teen years. Mm. So we had a little bit of a buffer. <laughs> uh, but for, for people that grow up with all that loaded language from, you know, childhood, that is mm -hmm. very, very hard to shake. What uh, resources were useful for you so as you were kind of climbing out of this pit as it were <laughs> what things did you find helpful books podcasts that kind of thing books i didn't read anything i only listened to your podcast <laughs> <laughs> i was not fishing for my podcast i met other things but <laughs> no it's truly the truth this is such a big 
that was really so helpful to me. I was mm. listening to like Making Sense of Sam Harris. Okay. Um, Christopher Hitchens, of course. Uh, yeah. And your podcast, because I was doing exactly the, the like the opposite of what I did before. <laughs> like listening to sermons six hours a day. <laughs> or just like listening to like deconversion podcasts and all of that. Yeah. Because I really needed that to lose the fear of it. And right. that's such an important thing. And also to deal with the shame because yeah. I felt so ashamed afterwards. I was just like, how could you mm. be like a victim to that manipulation and all of that? That was yeah. like really a big thing for me because yeah, I always thought that this just happens to like, yeah, that might be a little bit mean, but quote unquote weak people. Mm. But when I realized after that, that it's just not the case at all, And it was right. really like a humbling thing for me. And it really helped me to learn a lot. And I have so much compassion now for all yes. of these people. Like, even if it's other extreme groups, you know, I would right. never judge anyone anymore that's in like yeah. an extreme group, no matter which, because I saw by myself in like a very like light version because they did not make me do any extreme things, you know? Right. But I saw in those six months how easily manipulated you can be and yeah. how real peer pressure is and yeah. how blessed people can be if they grow up in a quote-unquote good family, you know? Right, Because right. <laughs> if your family gives you that input from little Like, mm. you can't change that. And who am I to judge? Because I had the privilege to have a family that did not do that, you know? Yes. <laughs> I, I love I love that, Anna. I think, you know, the result of this process is forgiving yourself and mm. letting go of that shame and then having compassion for people who are still in it. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's that second step that not everyone gets to, <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the, the response to this should not be, oh, look how dumb people are. It should be, look how easy it is for me to be uh, fooled and, yeah. and to have compassion, therefore, to all the people that are still believers in our lives or still, maybe you've got friends from DTS still, right? And, yeah. and you know, it's not that they're the enemy now. No. Uh, it's that you can see that maybe they're a little confused and they still need to be loved as well. Yeah, definitely. That's so true. And yeah, um, to come back to the shame, I believe like the podcast, like your podcast really, really helps. So if someone like is listening and is like in a deconversion journey, Like, I really hope that you can let go of that shame because mm. it's really hard in the beginning to to forgive yourself, like you said. Because, yeah, we're always so hard on ourselves. And, yeah, yeah just accepting that we made a mistake can be hard, but it really is very important. Yeah. Great. I'm going to plug two things on... Uh, gracefulatheist.com. I've gotten uh, two articles that I think are important. One is called Deconversion How To, and it is kind of the steps of you know what you're feeling, what you're experiencing mm -hmm. kind of as you go through this process. And one of them is talking about that unique to this is that feeling of shame that how could I have been fooled? How could I, yeah. how could that be, have been convincing to me? Uh, because I think that's unique to this process. Uh, and the other one is called you're not broken, you're human. Mm. And and this is, I think, that Christianity can prey upon the, the natural humility to recognize one's own fallibility. Mm. Yes, human beings are fallible, but that doesn't mean that we are sinning against a God. And mm. uh, I think that can help people let go of uh, some of that guilt as well. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I want to send that article to like all of my friends in ETS that ever said that they're wicked. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. 
Anna, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I love your story. I think it's really important. I think a lot of people are going to identify with it. Thank you so much. Final thoughts on the episode. Anna has such a powerful way of telling her story. I think it's very important that we hear it, that we understand how hard she tried to do all the right things, to believe the right things, even when it would sometimes go against her own intuition, and that there was a cumulative stress that built up in her life that as she she tells the story of seeing the picture of her childhood and being carefree and suddenly asking herself, what am I doing to myself? That recognition, that moment of acknowledgement that this is actually harming me rather than helping me is so powerful. The other really important concept I want you to take away is the secular grace that Anna is describing of forgiving herself and letting go of the shame of gullibility. And more importantly, recognizing how easy it was to take on the belief systems of the community that you are a member of. And I think this is really critical because the atheist community can sometimes come across as if people who are believers are somehow dumb or not intelligent or weak. And I think what's really important about Anna's story is as intelligent as she is and as self-reflective as she is and as strong as she is, she still succumbed to that kind of peer pressure. And what is most amazing about Anna is then coming out the other side of that and having compassion for people having compassion for people who are in those communities today. So the question should not be, why are those people unable to see how obviously they are being manipulated? The question should be, how am I manipulated by the communities that I'm a member of? This includes secular ones. We ought to constantly be on guard for taking on the beliefs of the community around us. Sometimes those can be very good, but we need to take them on critically and with evaluation. Again, I very much appreciate Anna's honesty here. This is living up to the honesty contest. I think it's important for not just the the doubters in the audience to recognize themselves in Anna's story, but also the believers in the audience to hear how things can go wrong, how things can be harmful for a person. I want to thank Anna for being on the podcast, for telling her story with such passion and honesty, with such rawness. It was very, very powerful. I do want to mention here that there are resources out there for you if you have experienced religious trauma. On the podcast before, we have had members of the Religious Trauma Institute, both Brian Peck and Laura Anderson on the show. Here at the podcast, we're very pro-secular therapists. There's also the the Secular Therapy Project, which is a resource to link you with potential therapists who are specifically secular in their practice. I'll have links to all of these in the show notes. I just want you to know that if you're experiencing the built-up stress, the built-up trauma from an adverse religious experience, you're not alone. There's lots of us out here and finding a good secular therapist is a great way to overcome that trauma. I am still very interested in facilitating some kind of community connection. I am aware of a number of Facebook groups that already exist and they are thriving. I'm looking very closely at things like Twitter Spaces and Clubhouse. The reason I haven't jumped on Clubhouse immediately is there's really no way to be anonymous there. I think Twitter Spaces might be an interesting way to go about this, uh, but I'm really interested in audience feedback. What has worked for you building secular community? And under even the more difficult circumstances of COVID-19, we're not quite out of the woods yet, online secular communities, what's worked for you? What do you recommend? What would you want to participate in? Let me know. Send me an email at gracefulatheist at gmail.com. I mentioned to some secular friends recently that I felt like I got through 2020 relatively unscathed. And yet now with the finish line within view and vaccines on the horizon for almost everyone, I find that I am suddenly feeling the weight 
of all that 2020 brought, the exhaustion from that. As a parting secular grace, thought of the week, if you're feeling the weight of that, you are not alone. If you're feeling the weight of deconstruction, deconversion, you're not alone. If you're feeling the weight of adverse religious experiences, you are not alone. Just knowing that there are many of us out there is part of the battle. Reach out, try to find secular community wherever you can, and tell your story. That is an amazing, cathartic experience. If you want to tell your story on the podcast, reach out to me at gracefulatheist.gmail.com. Until then, my name is David, and I am trying to be the Graceful Atheist. Join me and be graceful human beings. Time for the footnotes. The beat is called Waves from Mackay Beats. Links will be in the show notes. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can promote it on your social media. You can subscribe to it in your favorite podcast application, and you can rate and review it on podchaser.com. You can also support the podcast by clicking on the affiliate links for books on gracefulatheist.com. If you have podcast production experience and you would like to participate with the podcast, please get in touch with me. Have you gone through a faith transition and do you need to tell your story? Reach out. If you are a creator or work in the deconstruction, deconversion, or secular humanism spaces and would like to be on the podcast, just ask. If you'd like to financially support the podcast, there's links in the show notes. To find me, you can Google Graceful Atheist. You can Google Deconversion. You can Google Secular Grace. You can send me an email, gracefulatheist at gmail.com. Or you can check out the website, gracefulatheist.com. My name is David, and I am trying to be the Graceful Atheist. Join me and be graceful human beings. This has been the Graceful Atheist Podcast. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.